0: NBA Podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the ten million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Helasnik.
1: Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Helasnik, and over the last twenty-five years, I've built six companies in the five million to twenty-five million dollar range. And I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so they can make an investment in their business, or even for unexpected unexpected emergencies. Our line of credit program is easy to get in place, inexpensive when used, and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. And for uh, my experience over 25 years, every business should have a line of credit. If you would like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Or give us a call at 862-207-4118. If you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file that you can use if you use your line of credit. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is when you don't need it, so that when you do need it, you know you are approved and ready to go. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Joseph Fung from Yuvaro. Joseph is the CEO of Yuvaro, a tech sales career accelerator and of Kite, a sales-enabled platform purpose built to provide sales teams with the information they need when they need it. He is a graduate of the University of Waterloo's computer engineering program, Joseph's Joseph's, a repeat founder and CEO, and with multiple successful exits, and speaks frequently on topics of sales leadership, diversity, and corporate social responsibility. He is an active early-stage investor, who ensures that the majority of his investments are into women-led companies? Joseph also sits on the boards of uh, Commune Tech, the Golden Triangle Angel Network, and the Kitcherf Waterloo Symphony. Joseph, welcome
0: to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thanks for having me, Stephen. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. This is going to be fun.
1: Yeah, I am too. I'm, I always love. I love podcasting and because one of the things is I love learning so is, is the, today's podcast in particular is going to cover an area that I have a lot of questions in which makes for a great podcast uh, so uh, you know today's topic is how to hire exceptional online technical salespeople but it's going to get more broad and and you know we'll be certainly covering that topic at in, in detail um, so before I get into that, I, I want to talk to you and have our listeners and and, and myself understand a little bit more about Uvaro and
0: what it does. So tell me a little bit about it. For sure. So uh, Uvaro is uh, kind of one side training, uh, and then the other side uh, kind of career development. So we we help people who are in uh, service industry, retail industry, hospitality transition into the tech industry, uh, primarily. And we do it through the sales organization. Uh, So we give them sales training, a virtual apprenticeship, and then we pair them with rapidly growing tech companies uh, to have just amazing career transformation. And it has been just such an amazing journey, especially over the last 18 months, because it's been such a tough time for so many. Uh, Getting a chance to change lives has been uh, quite the fulfilling experience.
1: Yeah, so I took a look at your website and I thought it it was a very... uh, geez, I don't want to say unique because I haven't studied the industry much. I, I had a number of staffing companies that I mm-hmm. had built. And, and it, it, you know, it, it, it helps the employee or the person make a career transition into a different field. Is that's great. That, right. that, right? And so, and you don't charge them until they get a job
0: So we do have a flat rate membership, uh, and I mean that's that's available for those who are you know they're more comfortable with their current financial situation. Uh, Maybe they've got previous sales experience in B two B. But you're right; about two thirds of our members take advantage of our income linked membership, which means they don't actually start paying for their tuition until they land a job, and so they can actually get started, transition their career with no upfront fees, and that keeps our incentives aligned. Uh, and really that comes from, you know, as, as I went through college and I'm sure it was you and others, uh, and we wished, wouldn't it be great if our colleges and universities had more skin in the game, you know, we're more invested in our success. And that was the real motivation for that.
1: Well, uh, I think, so yes. I think,
0: yeah, I think the other part about it is like, I have a
1: 21 year old son who's a computer science major at Boston university. And by the way, he's had six internships already, but he's had mm-hmm. six internships only because, you know, I've, I've helped him develop. Right. And um, and, you know, everybody knows that college and quite honestly, 99 percent of parents don't do a good job of preparing your kids for the other parts of getting a job, your career, how to act, all of yeah. those other things. And, um, I, you know, I, I would tell you firsthand experience that my son is very grounded and he's excited about the world and he's excited about his life he's excited about his future career you know and he you know putting him out at my attitude is about so I mean I feel like I do a little bit about what yuvaro does with my own son and totally. uh you know and so I now so so my my business question is um did you have a did you have a staffing company already and thought this is another angle for a lead generation for me, for me to get candidates into the, the, into my, my funnel, so to speak, so that we can then place them.
0: That's a, that's a wonderful question. And no, actually the opposite side of things. Uh So I'm I'm a computer engineer by training, uh, run five software companies and the hardest part was always building the sales team. And software companies are two engine planes. You're either building product or you're selling it. Uh, or you're getting out of the way of, of the others. Um, building a sales team is really hard. And our most recent software company, we were selling to the heads of sales and the teams that were recruiting sales. And uh, it, was, it was a painful but reaffirming realization that it wasn't just me. Every tech company has trouble hiring sales. And so we actually launched Yuvaro as a Uh, It was originally a bit of a skunkworks project, a side project. We thought, hey, we've got all these software customers. They're struggling hiring sales reps. We think we can close this gap. Maybe we can help them be more successful. Uh, And it just took off like wildfire. And then the pandemic hit and it accelerated even further and it quickly outstripped the rest of our business. Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah I, you know, uh, I was going to pose this as a question, but, uh, I'm not going to do that. And that, uh, and that is my, my, you know, my background is in sales. Uh, I worked for yeah. Xerox for eight and a half years when I first started my career. That was 35 years ago or so. That's um, a heck of a foundation. Yeah. I mean, they Xerox, they I still sales. don't know it, but Xerox is the Google, was the Google of its day. So, I mean, the best yeah. people worked there and, I, you know, I, I, I loved it. I really did. And, um, but what I learned, and when I started my own companies when I turned thirty, was that um, uh, sales is an art form. It's not. Um, it's not as like a. It's not like a. It, it's more of an artist than it is a skill set. So you know, you get a if you go, if you hire a programmer, you know, there's a the, the technical end of what they know and you know how they do it. But there's, there's, there's a lot of art to salespeople and, and it's just like hiring. uh, If you were to hire an actor, you know, it's really, they're temperamental. There's a lot to it. It's, it's hard to pinpoint why they're either good or not good at what they do. And so I think it's out of all of the positions that you're going to hire for. And again, I've had a number of staffing companies, so I know what it's like to hire people. Um, uh, Sales is the hardest type of people
0: to hire. Would you agree? Uh, I would agree on half of what you're saying. Oh, okay. uh, in that, yeah, uh, it is. It's absolutely the hardest. Uh, and one of the really big reasons is that, um, they, I mean, there is no designation. There's no evidence. Uh, so if you're hiring for a developer yeah. or an engineer, you can go to MIT, you can go to Waterloo, you can go to Stanford. Well, you can and, test them. Too. Yeah, like right. it, there's really good ways to know. This is what I'm going to get. Uh, And that gives a level of confidence. Um, Forget all the competitive pressures. That's real too. But there's a a path to walk. In sales, there is no credentialing. um, There is no clear evident test. So it's very hard. Um, The part that I don't necessarily agree with is that that comment about the art and science. and, And the reason why I don't is that we're right now, today, in the middle of that transition. Like Everything we've seen marketing go through over the last decade, where everything can be attributed, everything can be measured, everything can be optimized, we're starting to see the same thing in sales. And we're in in the early stages, but that idea of it becoming more of a science and being more methodical. uh, and, And the software industry is where it's been hit first. So the way software companies sell is often much more numerical it's much more methodical and it's actually kind of a lot more like that consistency in marketing um it's still very much a place for that creativity that individuality the personality uh but it is it is becoming much more methodical and that's an exciting thing but it's also a terrifying thing because if if you if you're a company that misses part of that trend your competitors can get such a leg up and so that's why it's been a an exciting and a, and a trepidatious time right now for so many. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the reasons why I was excited to talk
1: to you and, uh, and we talked a little bit before we went onto the podcast is so I was thinking about my, my niece. I have a, I have mm-hmm. a number of nieces and nephews and one of my, my one niece is in, um, she moved into uh, a technical sales position. She's about four years out of college. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I hear she's doing very well. I haven't really talked to her about her job at all. And, um, And so, you know, I think about what, you know, especially now with COVID and the pandemic is like, what is her day like versus what, what my day was like at Xerox um, 30 plus years ago. Whereas my day at Xerox was you call somebody, um, you know, I had major accounts. So uh, you call somebody and you say, I want to come up to see you at 10 a.m. on Friday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was all face-to-face. It was always face-to-face. You didn't do any – the only reason you got on the phone was to set an appointment. That's the only reason. Um, And sometimes it was – when I was younger in that career too, it was knocking on doors. So, you know, you would actually go to an office complex and just keep knocking on the doors and talk to these smaller businesses. So – um, versus what she's doing right now i i wonder if she, you know if she ever well see the COVID is a little different but if she ever leaves her office if she ever leaves her 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 home you know so, and and then how do you keep someone's attention how do you integrate how is zoom being integrated into sales calls so you know you know you're you're younger a lot younger than i am i mean i'm 56 uh, you, 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 look like you're 18, but no, you're not.
0: I know that's super, super kind of you. I'm going to take that one. I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell the wife and the kids, it's like, well, then I know you're, damn, right. I just got carded on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can come in the door.
1: Um, so, uh, anyway, so, uh, so what is technical
0: sales like now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a great question. The two, the two big differences. So I should say, first off, the reality is that the space is growing so fast that it's a very small percentage of people who have the benefit of the training you got at Xerox. Yeah. You know, less than 2% of colleges have any kind of sales training. Very few people have worked at a company like Xerox compared to how big the space is now. So most people coming into the profession have very little experience. Yeah. And, and so as we think about the mindset of the team, that's one element. Um, but the two, dif- the two big differences in the work is all online and higher velocities. Like you don't get a chance to breathe. And on the, the online front, there was a great, great McKenzie study about it. And this, this blew my mind because same thing. I mean, my, my first jobs, my first sales jobs were all like, knock on the door, visit the customer, present the proposal in person. Um, uh, the study was of sales leaders, uh, sorry, business leaders. How much were they willing to spend never having met the person face-to-face? And the astounding part was that 80% of the respondents we're comfortable spending up to $50,000 never having met the person. I think at massive checks, big buying decisions. Mm. And there's another study by Deloitte that just came out that talked about during the B2B sales cycle, how 80% of those interactions are going to move online. And that's email, phone, Zoom. So yeah, not, people, there's so many roles now where you never leave the office. Um, and there's so many tools to help you optimize. You you talked about picking up the phone and calling in and booking the appointment. They're still doing that. They're talking on the phone. They might be using their computer for it, but they're still talking to someone on the phone. The only difference now, though, is that the technology under the hood automatically rings up the next one. If it goes to voicemail, it hangs up and automatically rings the next one. So you don't get the 30 seconds of Mm. downtime in between. And the apps record the calls and then tell you, were you positive enough? Did you say the right things? Did you have the right words? And so you get this real-time coaching and feedback so the expectation of number of actions, number of dials, your responsiveness is is jacked up so much. Uh, so you're right. Like, there's still so much of that judgment and instinct, uh, but there's also such a huge need for coachability now because the apps are pushing so much feedback and information to the user. It's a it's a tough situation. Uh, but for someone who is hungry, who takes that coaching, who can adapt and learn, uh, they can make a ton of money. So it's also very kind of lucrative time right now for, for sales reps.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a challenging conversation um, to have somebody like, you can't ask them how much they're making now. Um, you know, like back in my day with Xerox, I, I made $120,000 a year. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, 30 plus years ago.
0: What, what do you think some of the better technical people, salespeople are making now? Oh, it's such a huge range. So it, it is, it's such a huge range. So uh, I'll share some stats. Um, so our members are generally taking on junior roles, you know, so they're, they're coming from some of them working at McDonald's, they're driving Uber, they're working at hotel front desks. You know, on average, they're coming in, you're earning thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars, and they're taking on roles, you know, earning seventy, seventy-five thousand dollars. So great lift for them, uh, but still, I mean, you know, compared to the hundred twenty thousand dollars, that's a junior sales role. Uh, an average software sales rep, someone who's closing the deals, not just at the bottom, uh, sorry, not just at the top of the funnel. Uh, you know, there it's very, very common for them to be earning $150,000, $170,000. The part that's just so daunting is that software and technology sales has stretched that upper end of the threshold. So the number of the reps who are making half a million, a million dollars a year uh, is really surprising and really daunting because you can. You can close yeah. $5 million, million deals that are just the same product that was sold for $20,000 a quarter ago. Uh, so it's really, really stretched out the earning potential at, at both ends.
1: Yeah, I, I have a friend who um, works for a major um, company. I can't, I don't want to say who it is in both directions, but he, he, uh, you know, he makes about three seventy five. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and what, what's interesting is that he had a really good company that he sold, and you know, a, a number of my friends. Sold their companies and went to work for somebody else. And the old adage was, "You, an entrepreneur can't do that." And they're they're all really happy. They're all really happy. They 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 find their work interesting. Uh, They get paid, you know, very well. And um, you know, so. You know, those margins for what they're selling have got to be huge <laughs> to pay these people $500,000. You know, like back in my days with Xerox, the people who got paid 500000 to a million dollars were like the people who were selling airplanes, like Boeing, mm-hmm. like sales reps. Yeah. Or, or um, not pharmaceutical reps, but healthcare machines, like MRIs, you know, those yeah. type of machines, those... Those were, were the were the bigger type of sort of the high-priced ticket items. You think, do you think that now with SaaS, the businesses that are SaaS, software as a service model, that the amount of technical salespeople that the jobs that are out there are less than it used to be because now the transactions are all being done automated, we're like, you know, the People just make a decision like you said under fifty thousand dollars is just making a decision so you don't need a salesperson for that
0: do you think there's no, less technical sales no. or more no quite the opposite there's more there's more, there's, there's more yeah uh, so really what we're seeing is you see a lot of automation at the bottom end of the market and the subscription economy has driven that I mean think about uh, you've you've probably signed up for like you know Netflix and Hulu oh, and sure. Disney plus and tour sure yeah I mean like you would never talk to someone for that like punch of the credit card just do it um you know, uh, and there is a lot of, of software as a service sold that way, not just to consumers, but to businesses. And yeah, I mean, I swiped my credit card for $100 a month transactions, a couple of hundred dollars a month, sure. Um, but the reality is your business is important. And every entrepreneur that's listening, you know, recognizes they've got unique challenges in their business. So they, they want to talk to someone to make sure they're getting the right thing. They've got the right service. Uh, and the space is growing so obscenely fast. Over the next decade, all of the most conservative models project a compounded twenty percent a year growth, and that, that's passing north of eight hundred billion dollars in revenue. So, way more roles being created. But the interesting thing is that upper end of the market is moving. You know, upper end. Um, you, you talked about like MRIs and planes and like big ticket, You buy them once with a subscription economy. You can have a company that makes a fifty thousand dollar purchase. But if the software company behind that knows they're probably going to keep the customer for 10 years, you know all of a sudden that client is worth $500,000. So they can afford to pay a $100,000 commission on it, even though they're only getting $100,000 a year. Uh, and those dynamics are fueled by you know, venture capital. Because I mean, I'm sure everyone listening in says, you know, how do those economics work? If I'm getting 50 grand a year, how do I pay 100 grand commission? And yeah, you have to raise venture capital because you're losing money at first. You you make it up in subsequent years, and the space is so awash with venture capital. Uh, you know, you, you've heard the names like the Sequoias, the Tiger Global. You know, the SoftBank. There's so much cash that's fueling sales and marketing, and that's how there's so many sales reps earning so much money. Um, so yeah, the the fact that everything is going subscription changes those economics. Uh, and the fact that everything can be measured, like a software company can say, hey, I, I see the buttons, I see the levers, I see the numbers, I, I know this customer will stick around so I can afford to pay the rep this. Uh, that's what drives these economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a a time of change for us. Uh, and in the coming years, eventually it'll stabilize, but we're easily in for another decade or two of this kind of disruption.
1: Well, it makes me think too, but I don't think this was as different back then. I mean, sales is always so measurable, that if you have somebody who's making $500,000 at ABC company and you want to hire that person, you know, you know, the fact is, is that those upper echelon salespeople are really commanding some pretty big premiums because the profit margins that they're generating for the companies is
0: incredibly high, you know? Um, So I think the one difference is, is, and you probably see this in your business, the number of companies that get really good at inbound marketing, you know, they've got leads coming to them. Um, that means a sales rep is less dependent. Yeah, we on don't their do Rolodex. any. My company doesn't do any outbound calls. So it's totally all inbound. Yeah, you
1: know? in so fact, yeah, in fact, almost so many of my companies, and I would I'll share the story with you. Um, you know what what convinced I am the. My number one role at this at the company I have right now is is um, well I have a couple but uh, is really the I'm the marketing guru I'm the lead gen I I don't use the word marketing mm-hmm. I use the word lead generation I believe firmly that every company's success is completely dedicated, dedicated um, predicated on the idea of can you acquire your clients uh, inexpensively mm-hmm. right. And that's what it comes down to. You could have an a inferior product or service, but if you get people coming to your company inexpensively, you can have a successful business. But if you have a superior product and service and you can't get people to come to you, you don't have a company. So totally. you know I, so what, what happened was with me and this is, I think this is important to just to, to, to say my, in my second company I I really struggled hiring salespeople. And you would think because I was in sales that I would have been really good at it. And I'm not going to get into the details as to why. But when I started my third company, I said, I never want to be dependent upon hiring great salespeople again. And so I just really focused on having leads coming in so that I didn't need to have salespeople that were tremendous at drumming up business. And I was in control of the, uh, the whole sales process. And all I needed to do was hire less uh, salespeople who weren't really great at going to find leads versus ones that were good at converting the deals we have. And that was over uh, you know, 17, I'd say, years ago. And I've always been that way in the past. What, 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 what would you say?
0: I mean, what you've, you've hit on is exactly you know part of that transformation. You know, the idea of you've got your, your marketing, your demand generation group, who's generating content like podcasts, or they're blogging, or they're getting great PR, or they've got really witty people on Twitter or any of this, and they're getting leads coming in. It, it lets them give measured leads to their sales reps and evaluate their sales reps on discovery, you know, aligning fit, talking about the value prop and closing deals. And yeah, that makes the whole process measurable, but it also eliminates the need for sales reps who have that deep industry network or that Rolodex or who come in and demand, uh, you know, uh, doing an automatic draw or a non-recoverable draw on commission. And in those days of needing to hire a, you know, a sales rep with that deep Rolodex, you know, those are passing really quickly. You know, it's about someone who can come in, learn your system, catch your leads, and nurture them really, really well.
1: What's the standard in the industry about compensation? Is it still, you know, a base salary plus commissions? Is it? Is it? Has it moved to a one hundred percent commission based? Has it moved the opposite direction to just salary? What I know you're going to say it's yeah. all over the place, but in
0: general, no. Though there are some solid trends. So uh. part of it is as you think about, even if you, you think about the basic, that idea of it is becoming more systematized. So you're hiring a rep to work your system, work your engine. That is more of an employee-employer relationship. So we are seeing a trend away from full commission because there's a, a more frequent need across all industries, You know, from financial services to real estate to software. Um, so much more of a move towards that base plus commission. Uh, as well, right now the two things that we see evolving are the ratio and we do see more companies doing a higher base and a lower commission uh, as, as they work the economics of the company yeah and, and oh, there was a a, a kind of a, a wild west period of SaaS where no one really knew like is this gonna really work you know a lot of products are crap <laughs> there we go. churn was always really high but you look at all these companies now where customers don't churn they stick around for 10 years uh when you know that's going to happen, you don't need to pay as much commission. So we see higher bases, lower commissions, starting to shrink. Um, but super, super aggressive use of accelerators. So whereas people might have a set commission rate for up to 100% of quota, we're seeing hey, you get an extra 20% if you're above quota, an extra 50% if you're above that, you get double quota if you're above that. You know, so we'll see reps. Hey, they they hit you know the Thanksgiving weekend. They've hit their annual targets, and now every dollar they earn is earning them double commission. You know we see that all the time now, and those accelerators are super super attractive.
1: Yeah. So what it used to be is what I noticed is um, the longer the sales cycle of the product or service, the higher the sales rep would get paid. So you know one of the reasons why like a Boeing sales rep would get paid so high is because it might take three, four, five years. For them to close a deal, and so you had these longs. Like when I was at Xerox, by the time my the end of my career, you know the the product I was selling was worth went for five hundred thousand dollars, and people were pretty nice. surprised to hear that a, you know a copier goes for five hundred thousand dollars. I mean these these things were as big as a as a car, um, and um, but those sales cycles would take about eighteen months, you know, and so. You know, I, I noticed that there was a, you know, and you needed a special type of salesperson who would be able to understand how to move us, you know, move through the cycle of sales. And that's why it was a unique requirement. It wasn't like you just make a call and all of a sudden you make a sale and, you
0: know, that yeah. type of thing. So it's the same today. So, uh, yes, with a subtle nuance, mm-hmm. uh, you're right that it is correlated to length of sale, uh, but the real underlying metric there. Isn't just the amount of time, uh, but what's the cost yeah. of the sale? Yeah. Uh, and so medical devices, uh, aircraft simulators, all of those things typically require on-site visits and installed demonstrations. Mm. Like, yes, we're going to bring in you know, we're going to bring you in to see our MRI machine in action, or we're going to bring a simulator in so you see what it's like in the field. That's expensive. You're shipping equipment, you're shipping people, that they're on site. Um, but to give you a different example, uh, selling uh, software to colleges and universities. Most colleges and universities will get locked into five or six year contract cycles. And because of the process they take, they might have a two year buying cycle. So if you're selling software to a college or university, it's a long sales cycle, 18, 24 months, but you don't have to be going on site as much. It's just software, so there's no on site demos. So you may not see as high commission right there because the cost to acquire the customer isn't as much, even if it's spread over a longer period of time. Um, now, yes, cost of sale is correlated with the length of the sale, uh, but a lot of companies are getting super smart. They're selling to government, they're selling to institutions, they're selling to businesses over a long period of time and just doing light touches here and there, clever content, clever follow-ups, keeping their cost of sale low.
1: Cool. Yeah. You know, um, You know, we're giving a lot of great information here. I mean, much more higher than the topic that we talked about, right? Which is uh, how to hire exceptional online technical salespeople, which is, but this is, you know, this is really good information. I think my listeners are, you know, really learning a lot and appreciative uh, of your time. So
0: how are people hiring, you know, online technical salespeople now? Yeah. So I'll answer the question, but a lot of what they're doing is wrong. Uh, And so I'll share some some laser twitches. I mean, there's posting to LinkedIn. They're posting to Indeed. They're interviewing way too many people and spending too many time interviews. Um, You know, if you fold in the cost of the interview time, the cost of your advertising and your lost productivity, you know, the average cost is about 20 grand to hire a sales rep. Uh, And that doesn't even include recruiting fees if you had a recruiter. Uh, So that's how most people are doing it. And they look to experience. So they say, hey, I sell... Uh, I sell copiers. So let's find somebody who has sold printers before. Uh, and that makes it really hard because there's just not as many. The folks who we see doing it really well, uh, and, and to be clear, uh, you know, this, I'm not trying to say our customers. Our customers are our members, our students. So I'm, I'm pointing to the companies that we see hire really quickly and crush their quotas. When they align their sales recruiting to their ideal customer profile, recruiting happens faster and outcomes happen faster. So a good example, one of our grads, uh, he was a bartender, a restaurant manager. He stuck around in hospitality for eight years. COVID hit, his company went from 500 to 25 people. I mean, really tough story for him and his colleagues. He went through our program and through our automation, our recommendations, our, our advice, he ended up landing at a company called Seven Shifts. And they sell scheduling software to restaurants in the hospitality sector and He's effectively spending his day selling to people that were him a year ago. That's perfect. And so it's no perfect it match. It is a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. And no wonder he's crushing quota. He's getting promoted in six months. Yep. And so the companies who do that, they say, uh, and everyone has this. They have a job description that says, you got to know our CRM, it's our baloney. dialer. You gotta, you've sold B2B sales. You've got a, a, mm-hmm. an undergrad degree. And that's useless. Uh, you know, Really, it should be, do you know our buyer? And the companies who do that well, uh, hire easier.
1: Well, I think there's those unconventional areas. I mean, the the example you gave is a great one, but it is a a little minute one. I think there's there's all different reasons why a salesperson can be good, but yet we focus on all the wrong things. I remember Mm -hmm. I had a technical staffing company at one time that I owned. And, um, and it was hilarious because you would get, and I'll just use a modern day example. They would say, you know, seven days of Java requirement required when, when it, w- it was crazy because Java had only been out maybe for five years. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, it was crazy. Yep. So you yep. wouldn't do that. And you, see, you don't you don't care if somebody has like five years of Java experience. You, you want to know how much they've got into the details of, what they've done. So, I mean, that's a, that's a weird example, but, you know, uh, I agree it's with
0: super, super relevant. Yeah. Super I,
1: relevant. I, I think yeah. all of us though, the issue you have is you get a number of resumes if you're lucky and you know, h- you know, how can you read between the lines because resumes are terrible at really communicating, you know, what someone, you know, what I used to do is I used to use a 15 minute telephone interview to, to weed through. and Now it's much more common, but what it would allow me to do is to get a feel for a person outside of their resume, testing their communication skills. And then after that, then there would be next steps if I thought it went well, but I try to get information that wasn't on the resume though that is there. Um, but do you, do you think
0: that a lot of sales hiring is intuitive? Um. I wouldn't say a lot of it is intuitive, uh, and, but moreover, I think a lot of companies are missing good opportunities. Uh, it, you're you're about screening. You're right. It, even if I took uh, not that bartender, you know, his resume, his resume is not necessarily going to make it easier for you to hire him. No. You know? So we, we recommend companies do things like use the same technology. You know? Hey, if all of these sales interactions are moving online, we're using video and there's apps like Vidyard and Loom and BombBomb. You know, make one of the questions. Hey, can you send me a, a two-minute video about what you think about our customer base or our market? Well, I mean, right there. Well, I testing. love that. Can they use this technology no. to sell?
1: Yeah. yeah, and are they? I love it. I tell you, I love it from a different point of view. Are they not afraid to do something? Are they exactly? Are they committed to the you know to really getting a new job? Someone might look at that and say, uh, "I'm mm-hmm. not doing that. I'm scared. I don't want that as a salesperson." Exactly. You know? So I like I and love what you just said.
0: The the terrifying part is most sales teams now, and, and I'm not talking about software sales teams. I'm talking about like B2B sales teams. You know, on average, they've got 20 different tools. And and often they don't realize it. You know, they've got they're using LinkedIn, they're using email, they're using yeah. phone, they've got something to make the emails easier, they've got something to find email addresses, they've got yeah. okay, 20 different tools. But the average sales tool gets swapped out every four years, which means just numerically every rep is gonna to have to learn five new tools every year. So you need somebody who's comfortable trying new tools yeah. and bravely doing that. So you're right. Uh, and I, I think there's so many companies who haven't yet realized the way we're hiring and the way we're you know, finding sales reps is changing, that there's a huge opportunity to outstrip the competition. Because like he said, if you can get customers cheaper and easier, so if, if you can just hire more efficient, better sales reps, you beat the competition.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I had another company with a, it was a healthcare staffing company, and I I I got you know when I went from the expert seeker, which was the IT staffing company, and then we started healthcare seeker a little later on. It's you know, but while they were both running at the same time, you know, I just made such a conscious effort of saying um, we want to be great at hiring internally. We want to be great. Yeah. Okay. And so I just put so much effort reading books, getting best practices, drilling down, getting our methodology together, making sure yeah. we had great, we understood our company culture, we hired into you know, everything you could possibly think of. But we got really good at it. And um, one of the things that I think we got really good, well, we just stumbled upon an industry um, that just fits so well. Into uh, having a great um, hire, you know, we, which was uh, we were we started hiring a lot of people who were in the mortgage um, business where they were um, selling mortgages um, because they were used to being on the phone one hundred percent of the time. And at the time, that was unusual. You couldn't find sales reps that were used to being on the phone. But what we found out was the mortgage people were so good at keeping the conversation going on the phone and, and, and closing the deals and liking being on mm. the phone. So like my, I'm raising that question about, uh, because I'm raising that instance because what do you do with some old farts like me, who, you know, have not been adaptable at um, using new
0: tools? but yet have been kind of successful at what they, de- they, they do. Well, I mean, Stephen, I think first off, you're selling your short. I mean, we are just riffing on how Zencaster is a fun tool for, for creating a podcast and, you know, we're sitting here using a pretty. Well, I was just using this
1: example. I, I, I <laughs> believe me, I'm very uh, technically uh, adept. Um, oh, it's Yeah. So I, I, I'm yeah. not one of those, but maybe I would be, if I went into a 21 year old company, but uh, I'm sorry, a company with 21 year olds,
0: but uh, you know, anyway, go ahead. It, it's, a, it's such a salient question. And, and I see the same thing. Like our team's putting videos up on, uh, you know, on TikTok and other platforms. And I mean, they're doing it for me. I mean, I turned 41 this year, so I don't have a TikTok account. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, the, the really interesting thing, and uh, I, I do believe the industry is getting over the misconception. You know, the, There was a period of time where people would say, hey, you know, you're young, so you grew up using tech, so you must be good at tech. It's like, it, there was a period of time where like, let's go to the young person and figure yeah. out how they fix their phone. And, yeah. and I, I see this right now. The industry is getting over that assumption Yeah, because, I mean, there's a ton of people who grew up using a smartphone and they still can't figure out how to use LinkedIn sales navigator. Yeah, And yeah. That, that's blowing some of the assumptions out of the water. I think the one interesting challenge is that generationally uh, there was a difference in the way how folks learned and were taught. So we do see a lot of older workers who benefited more from structured learning. So we're talking about user manuals, yep. guides, yep. even self-service tutorials. Yep. Uh, and then there's others who are just forced into the deep end and they learn by figuring out themselves. Yep. And I think companies do owe it to themselves and their workforce to do a better job at thinking about structured learning, not just shutting people into the deep end. Uh, because especially in a sales role, that experience, that cross-industry experience is so valuable. You build rapport, you can close deals, it's way better. And if your training process biases against experienced workers, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And the best part is most vendors do have online resources and training, so you don't have to create it all yourself. It's just giving the thought and pulling it together. Um, so as much as companies are bad at hiring often, they're frequently even worse at onboarding. And so that's, that's a big area to, to double yeah, down I, on for I, so many. I think
1: there's, there's, there are extremes though. I remember, so we, we hired this one person a long time ago. It was a, I said way I, um, the, uh, she had, now this is a long time ago and she had never used a computer. Now this is, mm-hmm. uh, 20 years ago, yep. she, uh, never used a computer before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we said, listen, you know, we liked her and she had done other sales, been successful at it. And we brought her in, and there was two things that happened. Three things that happened. One, um, we uh, she took a really long time to uh, adapt. Number two is we didn't have the patience to teach her, mm-hmm. and number three is the business moved too fast, and she we just she just couldn't stay with it and we had to eventually let her go and, and, you know, let her know it was, it was a mistake that we made the mistake. It wasn't yeah. her, but that again, I, you know, I think you, could, I'm using that as an example to really correlate to nowadays. I think those three conditions probably still exist with a
0: lot of companies. I, I think they really do. But, you know, I think the, the, uh, the, other thing to look for is that for every person who gets stuck in that situation, there's technology that's that simplified the role. So, so to give kind of a, a counterpoint, uh, my father's example, very experienced contractor, built multiple houses, industrial HVAC machines, you know, those, those duct systems that Bruce Willis was crawling through in, in Die Hard. Uh, you know, that's, that's what he sold. Um, uh, and then he became a building inspector. And when they moved from uh, paper inspection reports and kind of prose-based inspection to an iPad app, uh, you know, The immediate reaction was like, wow, is this going to be tough? Is he going to be you know, able to overcome that? We're going to send him out in the field with an iPad, big rubberized case around it. Um, but conversely, the fact that it was an iPad, it was kind of point and click, and it didn't require as much uh, written uh, language skills, English is a second language, um, even just like while you're in the field writing, he's saying writing was, was tough to read, uh, made him way better at his job. And So I think, yeah, for every situation where the technology is getting ahead too fast, it's also breaking down barriers and helping so many workers be more successful. So like one of our members, 53-year-old guy uh, on the East Coast, just because of life circumstances, uh, was in a role at McDonald's working alongside teenagers. And it was in a small town, so not as many opportunities to move. Uh, But by given that opportunity to learn how to use Zoom and send videos on Vidyard. He could use his experience, his gravitas to sell project management software, you know, to contract and service and companies. And now he's selling software, earning way more, moved out, got his own apartment, all these things. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's changing quickly, but in so many ways, it's also proving to be a great equalizer. You know,
1: there's, I think there's so much more potential out there, people that it's untapped and Sometimes when you say that some of these jobs are going to get eliminated, you're like, you think, that not, I wouldn't say me, but some of my friends are like, what are they going to do? I'm like, they shouldn't be doing that job in the first place. You know, it sh- they should have a different job, you know. So, I mean, there's careers and there's jobs too. So, I, you know, I get it. Some people are not maybe built to have a career, but, um, you know, driving a truck, you know, yeah. isn't exactly the most exhilarating
0: Experience in everyone's life, and the problem is that so many companies that are growing have this internal bias. You know that they, they say things like, "Oh, you're, you're driving a truck. How can you possibly sell software?" And I mean, we see exactly that. You know, by giving folks a chance in a safe space to experiment to learn, they can go and do an amazing things. And and we had that exact example. Someone that was in the trucking industry was had to relocate across the country due to some visa issues. Uh, And now he's selling, you're going to laugh, it's like, so far from trucking, uh, AI-powered market intelligence (laughs) solutions. Wow. Yeah. I bet you he's the most dedicated person, the uh, hardest working person too. Most dedicated? The guy did 350% of his quota in the first month. Yeah. Uh, So they raised his quota 50%. (laughs) Welcome to sales. Well. And he doubled it. So, he, he yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, it's, it's about giving people an opportunity and using the technology to close those gaps. That's why the Uvaro company that you have to me makes complete sense because listen, the
1: companies are looking to reduce the risk of hiring the wrong person. And if you have mm-hmm. a rubber stamp of somebody, someone who's a Uvar trained and certified person, so to speak. I I think that takes the risk factor out of it for a company, Um, uh, you know, because the VARO process has self selected, uh, it's not maybe that's the right word, but selected, uh, I don't, can't think of the right screen through. People have Mm -hmm. dropped off in that process that would have maybe dropped off if you take a leap of faith of a McDonald's
0: person working in an AI. You know. That's exactly it. So we we only extend offers to less than 2% of our applicants. Uh, and those who make it into the program, uh, there's about three quarters who make it through. It, it varies class to class, uh, but on average, it's about three quarters. And so yes, our, our grads are pre-vetted, pre-trained. Uh, more, moreover, they're also just champing at the bit to seize that opportunity. Yeah. So the engagement, the loyalty, the work ethic is so remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's do a summary for our listeners
1: of some of the things we talked a lot of a lot, a lot of different things. So uh, Joseph maybe you can help me um, kind of come up with one of the things I heard you talking about which I thought I I agree with and I thought made sense is relook at your hiring process and look for look at unconventional things that a that a candidate could have that would uh potentially translate into a
0: good hire. I think I think we talked about that, correct? We did. And and I underline and we think about unconventional, really take a good look at who your customers are. Yeah, because if you can build that alignment, uh that's that's the the single biggest factor that'll make a difference. Oh, uh, that's good.
1: Yeah. Um second one I think I we talked a, a lot about was um really kind of uh having a well, we didn't talk a lot about, it, but it having a great onboarding process, you know, I mean, that's kind of, we've been there, done that. I mean, that's been going on for years and years yep. and years. Tell me what else you
0: think the main things that we kind of talked about should, should be takeaways. I think the second thing is that so many industries are going to start to sell the way software is selling. You know, the subscription economy is coming everywhere yep. and that means treating sales a little bit more like a science. And Right now is the good opportunity to outstrip your competition. So it's uh, going to strike while the iron's hot moment right now.
1: And the third one, last one, give me one
0: more takeaway from today's podcast. I'd say the last thing is that if, if anyone's in that boat where they're saying, hey, should I should I be looking at jumping into a, a work for someone else situation? the sales space is such a ripe time for change right now. Yeah. And it's not just a, a young person's recent grads game. It is such an evolving space. There's so many opportunities.
1: Yeah. Well, I just told you about my friends who, yeah. you know, mainly, you know, if you want to make big bucks, you got to go into the sales end. But the nice thing about sales too is, you st- you know, entrepreneurs like being independent and, uh, you know, you know, sales is
0: very much that. Entrepreneurs also really care about their customers. Yeah. And, if you care about the customers, you'll do much better in sales. Yeah, good stuff. All right,
1: well, that's all the time we have today. I would like to thank very so very much Joseph Fung from Yuvaro for coming on today's podcast. Is, podcasts. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fs creditline.com.
0: Joseph, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? So you can always hit us up at our website, uvaro, U-V-A-R-O.com. And me I personally, I'm on most social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Joseph Fung, all one word. Yep. F-U-N-G. And
1: Joseph, just uh, you know, from our listener standpoint, um, how do you think you can help them?
0: From our listeners, uh, entrepreneurs who are building their business. Yeah, for the people
1: who are listening to this Uh, podcast, I mean,
0: how do you think your business could help them? I think the really big thing that we can help with is if you're looking for amazing sales talent, hit us up because we're preparing amazing sales talent and happy to make an introduction. So feel free to hit me up. Happy to make an intro and help you grow your business. Sounds good.
1: And for our listeners, um, if you're interested in getting any new business ideas, I tweet daily about lessons for business owners at... S. Halasnik, which is my name. It's S-H-A-L-A-S-N-I-K. And um, listen, I want to thank everyone for listening. And just remember, just like anything else in your business, sales is a process. Um, hiring salespeople is a process. If you want to be good at it, you got to dive into it. You got to know all the angles. You got to know All the details, you got to know all the data, the measurements, you got to use your intuition. You got to become an expert at it because honestly, one of the reasons why these people get paid what they get paid is because they're bringing in big, big revenue for you. And if you don't hire the right people, your company's going to be at risk. And honestly, as an entrepreneur, it's going to drive you crazy too as well. So everybody have a fantastic day. Try to get outside, it's certainly beautiful out there, and we all deserve to go out and smell the roses a little bit more.